Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! I've been joking about it. I've been talking about it. I've been ranting about it for pretty much since first snowfall in October. And I've been mocking everybody saying, bring it on. Because we have so many new people in and around the state of Montana. And I thought you needed to experience a harsh, long winter. Well, it was snowing today again as I drove into the studio. And my joke, I'm over it. It's got to stop. It's supposed to be golf season. It's April. I'm supposed to be golfing ASAP. Got to get the snow off the ground. Welcome in. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Nuanas coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on Monday. Uh, maybe you're in a part of Montana where it's not snowing. So uh, if you are, lucky you. And that's not necessarily dumping here in Missoula. We're okay. We got a lot more uh, and a lot better things to talk about than the weather. We're going to get things kicked off by taking you around the world of sports in Montana. Spring uh, is officially underway for spring sports. We got a spring football game Friday here in Missoula. We also have uh, some results from the Cat Grizz track meet from over the weekend. Chris, softball is underway, so even if the weather isn't great, we do, we do have some spring sports coming down uh, the docket. We also, though, had a huge national championship game, ripe with controversy for a variety of uh, reasons, including some racially charged reasons last night uh, as the women's basketball national tournament comes to an end. LSU smashes Iowa, uh, wins going away, and the Tigers national champions for the first time under Kim Mulkey. And then tonight we have another big game, 
against the UConn Huskies and the San Diego State Aztecs. Uh, the potential continuation for an understated, somehow yet uh, unbelievable dynasty for UConn over these last 25 years and an opportunity for the first time ever for San Diego State to take home a national championship trophy. That would be an enormous, enormous thing uh, in the Mountain West and out West and in mid-major college basketball and everything uh, in between. So we'll talk women's Final Four, men's Final Four, some Cat track. We also got spring football storylines, continuation. Uh, the Grizz wrap spring ball on Friday here in Missoula, Washington Grizzly Stadium. We will be doing this show live from 4 to 6 down there at the stadium. And then the spring game starts right at 6, so we'll roll right into it. And then we'll have plenty of commentary on that spring game next Monday, week from today. So we'll talk some Grizz football, some Cat football uh, here in hour number one. Then hour number two, we're going to spend a a good chunk analyzing just the state of affairs in college basketball, both broadly, a lot of movement in the transfer portal, another big name out of the Big Sky Conference on the way out the door, Nigel Burris of Idaho, the Big Sky Freshman of the Year this last year. He's into the portal. So that means Steel Ventures, the Big Sky Conference MVP, he's on the way out the door. Nigel Burris of Idaho, he's on the way out the door. What does it mean for the league? A lot of rumblings right now that Utah State is going to hire a head coach later on this week. Will that man be Danny Sprinkle or will it not be? A lot of stuff out there about Montana State's head men's basketball coach as well. So where are we at as the uh, dominoes continue to fall and the merry-go-round continues to uh, spin at a very rapid rate when it comes to the Big Sky Conference? And then how does that then pertain to the game tonight? We've seen a flood of transfers. And a lot of times from the Big Sky Conference angle, it's spun in a detrimental light because... It's some of the best players in the league walking out the door. But there's also a couple players playing in tonight's game between UConn and San Diego State that are some of the best players in the game that didn't start their careers at the school that they're at. So there's a lot of ways to benefit from the transfer uh, portal as well. And also, it's very interesting. UConn, to me, is sort of the example of a big-time athletic department, specifically a big-time basketball school for both men's and women's basketball, who isn't falling into this notion that it's all about making money because although they are producing revenue and they need money, they're operating at a huge deficit. I think it's a very interesting conversation just about what it takes to win at a high level. How can UConn be a national championship men's and women's basketball program while losing money? There's a lot of factors that go into it And is it sustainable for a school like UConn? And then we got five keys to the game to get you set up for tonight's game. It's a 7.20 p.m. tip-off on CBS. uh, Fifth-seeded San Diego State, fourth-seeded UConn for all the marbles uh, to wrap up March Madness. We will also dissect our brackets, our uh, ESPN MT Bracket Challenge. We've had a winner since the Elite Eight. I know there's a couple folks that matriculated their way in there because the group wasn't locked. Uh, we'll be able to tell because I know exactly who our winner was. I know exactly the pairings he had. And I also know that anybody that had San Diego State beyond the Elite Eight, those people weren't in the group early enough. So um, we'll get it all figured out. We got a bunch of prizes for you, including a $500 cash prize from Katie O'Keefe. So you need a place to watch the game tonight, go kick it down there at Katie's in the Stevens Center. Uh, they got a full-service bar, full-service casino, a bunch of great TVs, and uh, you can bring whatever you want to eat. They don't have food there, but that's okay. You can order in, bring in whatever you'd like uh, down there at Katie O'Keefe's in the Stevens Center. 
Uh, we also have a whole bunch of other great prizes, including from Zootown Sports Cards, who, by the way, what a phenomenal job at the uh, Zootown Sports Cards uh, Sports Card and Memorabilia Show at the Hilton over the weekend. Uh, we had a great time down there. Unbelievable turnout. It's insane to me how, how the sports cards and sports collecting is thriving at such an unbelievably high level. Uh, it's vindicating because I thought this was going to be the case when I was a little kid. Bought all the baseball cards, saved them up, protected them. Because I told my mom all the time when I was a little kid, these are going to be worth a bunch of money. And, and now that's come to fruition. They actually are, and people actually are buying them. So that was super fun. And we have a bunch of prizes from Zootown Sports Cards um, and a whole bunch of other great vendors for you as well. We'll go through that later on uh, this week, but it should be a fun national championship game tonight. We'll talk most of our number two all about it. That's your show, Outlook. Uh, here on Nuanas Now. You are listening on 1029 ESPN Radio. Maybe you're watching SWX Montana Television, or maybe you're streaming on our ESPN MT app. Appreciate you for being here no matter how you're tuning in. You also can always use our station website to stream, 1029ESPN.com. And if you want to be a part of the show, comments, questions, concerns, you want to be a part of the conversation, you always can by calling 406 1029 That's 888 888- one zero two nine. All guests will join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Let's dive into the Montana Sports Hour. It's been the Montana Basketball Hour for the last several months. It's been the Montana Football Hour before that. But it's that time of year where we're going to talk about a variety of different sports. But uh, even though the uh, the subjects will be far flung, the presenting sponsor remains the same. It's Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications can help you and your small business connect in a variety of different ways. Blackfoot's customers have access to the latest technologies backed by 24-7 technical support. To learn more about how Blackfoot can provide the right service for you and your business, visit goblackfoot.com. The the news of the day, the conversation of the day, uh, the thing that everybody's talking about on Twitter, on Facebook, on social media, in real life, at this office, all over the place, is not only the result of the women's uh, NCAA national championship game last night, LSU runs away with it, scores over 100 points and wins by 30-plus over Iowa, ending the sort of uh, storybook run of Caitlin Clark, who became the darling of America during this March Madness, certainly the breakout star, man or woman, in this NCAA tournament, uh, and and during this last month of uh, so much awesome college basketball. And Iowa fell flat. A lot of people would say, that they thought uh, that the national championship game was really Iowa against South Carolina, and Iowa won an all-time classic in the Final Four to end South Carolina's national championship reign, uh, end a undefeated season by Don Staley's crew, and also snap uh, a winning streak that reached almost 400 days. South Carolina had won 40-plus games in a row dating back to last year. So Iowa won that one, one of the win all-time great wins in the NCAA women's basketball tournament to go to the national title game. Uh, but Kim Mulkey's LSU Tigers, not to be trifled with. They absolutely dominated the game. They smashed Iowa. Caitlin Clark got loose for 30, but 30's not 41, and uh, Iowa didn't really have anything else around her. So that's the result of the game. But then following the game, controversy ensues. And I have I have so much to say about this. We aren't going to say everything I want to say about this at this exact moment. We are going to have, this is going to be one of those continued conversations that seems to uh, resonate and linger around here on Nuanas Now uh, quite often, because I want to talk to Justin Engel about this, 
our uh, our business expert, business professor at the University of Montana, and uh, the co-host of the Business Angle here on Nuanas Now. I also want to talk about this uh, with Rajim Seabrook uh, because Raj is, is so good at, at breaking down just uh, the the socioeconomic, the cultural, and the racial elements. A lot of these conversation points as well. But I do have some stuff to say about it right now because here's where the controversy stems. Angel Reese is the other um, sort of superstar in this tournament. She is the best player for LSU. She's a sophomore. She had 25 points and 20 rebounds in multiple games in this tournament, making her only the second male or female to ever do that. Uh, She is an All-American, an unbelievable talent. And after the game... Right as the time's winding down, uh, she she puts the hand in front of her own face and waves around like what all the kids are doing now. I can't feel my face. It's from the weekend or something like that. I don't even know where it stems from. But if you know, you know. It, it was a very similar action to what Caitlin Clark did following Iowa's win over South Carolina. Then Angel Reese went up to Caitlin Clark and pointed at her ring finger over and over again, indicating, hey, we got it done. We got the ring. You're going home. So I'll start with, just in the in the name of sportsmanship, it's probably pretty poor sportsmanship. I will totally agree with that. But then we get into the full weeds on this thing. Because I also thought uh, it was a, a great celebration for Caitlin, uh, for, for uh, Angel Reese, excuse me. It establishes this unbelievable narrative going into next year because Angel Reese is back. And now she can be what I think women's college basketball has largely been lacking, which is a villain. And I also think if we've defined college sports as strictly big business, and big business is all about making money, the things you need in big business are exposure, drama, character building, uh, storylines. What's better for the storylines that then promote the business of women's college basketball than this? The other part about this, and the reason that this has been so charged, is because there's the racial element to it. LSU is a team out of the SEC. They're largely made up of all black women. The uh, Iowa Hawkeyes from the Midwest are largely made up of all white women. So the conversation on social media was, well, if Caitlin Clark does it and she's praised for it because she's this cute upstart darling from Iowa who also happens to be white, and Angel Reese uh, is scrutinized for this and and you know called all these uh, derogatory names for it, what's the difference? And then Angel Reese was obviously incredibly well aware of this narrative. And actually, I thought Andrew nailed it. He pointed this out uh, very accurately. He said this actually all started in the post-game press conference with South Carolina head coach Don Staley. Don Staley's team also uh, largely made up of African-American women. Don Staley herself uh, is a black woman, one of the most prominent black coaches, man or woman, in the United States. And I mean, not one of the most prominent black coaches. Don Staley is one of the most prominent coaches in in all of college basketball. There's no question about that. Uh, She is probably the queen of coaches in college basketball at this exact moment. But Kim Mulkey is coming after coming uh, resurrecting herself from Baylor and now uh, at LSU. She's definitely coming. But regardless, the narrative around South Carolina also, you know, people were using words like bullies and thugs and street fighters and barroom brawlers for the physical style that they're playing. And Don Staley, for better or worse, she called that out in her post-game press conference following South Carolina's loss to Iowa. So that sort of started uh, this this conversation about what is the acceptable level of smack talking? What's the acceptable level of verbal combat? 
How much can you you dance and gloat and and celebrate? How much can you do it? But then also, how much does the 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 American public accept it? It seemed widely accepted and widely praised when Caitlin Clark's doing it. It didn't seem to be the same case when Angel Reese is doing it. And so then Angel Reese got up at her postgame press conference yesterday, and she went at it. She, she said straight up, you all say that I'm too street, I'm too hood, I'm too ghetto. And she's like, I'm just me. This is what I do. This is how I am. Love me, hate me, I don't care. We're the national champions. And uh, I, love th- I love that response for her. And uh, I just I think that there's just so much to this. But the, to me, my biggest takeaway from this is this is a controversy that's not really controversial, in my personal opinion, because you think what you think, and then if and and that's just it. I thought my brother summed it up well when I was talking to him earlier. He said, "You either completely understand what's going on in with the the conversation around race in America, or you don't, and that's it. And if you don't." I don't know how you become. I don't know how you can. It's sort of cut and dry. You either understand it or you don't. And uh, I think that's kind of the unfortunate part about it. But regardless, is I think it's a controversy without consequence because I actually think that when the dust settles from all of this, this is going to be a great thing for women's college basketball because look at us. We're leading a Monday radio show with it. This has been the talking point across all of it. And, and again. It's, some, it's a microcosm of something that is very important to talk about, and I do think there's a lot of nuance to it, but I also think that any amount of publicity for the women's sport, uh, for, for women's basketball, any amount of brand name recognition and character building is a great thing. People weren't necessarily talking about Aaliyah Boston after South Carolina won it last year, but everybody's talking about Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark right now, and uh, I, I just I think there's a lot to it. I also think though the other part that's so weird and so sad is that now that there is this sort of uh, polarizing reaction to this, now you have this mob mentality that just permeates our our culture, but specifically through the lens of the internet, and, and people are chiming in their two cents. The conversation's good, but going after other uh, you know people that are on the other side of the argument that's not necessarily good. So that's the other part that I think can get uh, out of control. I think you also can understand, though, too, that you can totally deem either of these celebrations, Angel Reese's or Caitlin Clark's, as unsportsmanlike and still see then the opinions made about them as having tones of racism. I also think on the flip side of that, though, too, you can also think that these two actions weren't unsportsmanlike, and that's sort of where I fall is I totally get Uh, the element of class and respecting your opponent and all of it. My dad has a a deep martial arts background, and as he used to always teach us, the number one key to any competition is to respect your opponent. You must respect your opponent. And I do think that Angel Reese does have respect for Iowa. I also think that she has a vibrant personality that really wanted to celebrate, And and that's where I fall on this, is that I thought that the celebration was awesome, and I thought that uh, both celebrations were awesome. And I think that, that sort of this notion that things need to be how they used to be is not how it is anymore. The meritocracy in America, in my opinion, is, I'm not going to say irrelevant, but it's dying. It, it, things that, how it used to be is not necessarily better or best. And I really enjoy 
the way that women's college basketball has diversified and it has become so much more wide open and it has become so much more diverse and it has become so much more entertaining. And now this has an opportunity to, to even thrust that into a higher gear. I mean, why is the NBA so popular? There's so many people that are hardcore fans of the NBA that hardly watch the NBA until the playoffs. I'm one of them because of the characters, the legacy building. It's just like pro wrestling, except for it's real. Like, we're trying to figure out who's the greatest player of all time. Who who stacks up better, Shaq or, or Wilt Chamberlain or, or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? We're getting an element of that with this. Uh, is, is Caitlin Clark coming back next year, or, or was this her last game? I think she's back. Okay, so then if we have Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese coming back, let's go. We got a collision course, and, you know, uh, there's just so much to this. But I think at the end of the day, when this is all said and done, I thought— LSU's effort was phenomenal. I thought their celebration was awesome. And I think that the way that all the dust settles, if both of these young ladies can survive this mob uh, conversation that's going to descend around them and with centering upon them, if they can survive all that between now and next season, we're going to have a wildly entertaining next season. And LSU and Iowa are going to be on this phenomenal collision course to potentially have a rematch, and uh, I think at the end of the day, it's all good for the sport. Anything you guys want to add to this? Because we're going to talk about this throughout the rest of the week, but any any final points on this before we uh, move along? I just thought it was really interesting to watch this narrative build up over the course of yeah. really the last week. I mean, this has been a women's tournament that I think has was already sort of reaching a, a higher point in the national consciousness. There's a little bit more discussion about it coming into this week. Just got the alert on my phone. 10 million viewers for the game yesterday. For the championship w- game, which yep. Which has to be a record by, like, three times, probably. I mean, it is... I don't know what the percentage-wise is, but that I can say unequivocally that that is a record. There's no doubt. For sure. And I think watching that sort of storm building going into this game was super fun to watch because... There was a ton of talk about Caitlin Clark after she, you know, carried Iowa into the Final Four. Uh, And then you see these competing narratives uh, sort of around her, um, around that South Carolina team in particular. I think you touched on it a little bit, but I think that South Carolina team had really become a, a symbol yeah, for for black athletes in the country, and particularly sure. black women athletes in the country, because for they sure. were so successful. Because the head coach was a black woman. Yep. Uh, because I mean, there's probably what three top fifteen WNBA lottery picks on that team, right? Oh, I mean, definitely. Yes, yeah. uh, Aaliyah Boston. I mean, Zia Cook. Yeah, yeah, that was a great team, and then. I don't know. I just it was an awesome game to watch. I'll just put it at that. It was sweet to watch Caitlin Clark try to deal with four fouls, which she picked up her fourth foul in the third quarter on that technical call, which uh, became a big narrative as well. Uh, but then you know to watch her manage that and keep Iowa in the game. But then to watch Alexis Morris, the LSU point guard, yep. hit a ton of really tough mid range shots down the stretch of that game was was a lot of fun. Um, just as, as purely as a basketball game, regardless of all the narratives that surrounded it, I've got a, I, I have a lot of thoughts about it. Yeah, we'll come back to it. We, we have a whole second hour to talk about this, and uh, I, I do agree with what Andrew just said too. It's a great point. By the way, Nuana's now ESPN Radio is the Montana Sports Hour talking about yesterday's NCAA 
women's uh, national tournament championship game. 9.9 the ratings uh, number, but the game actually peaked at 12.6 million viewers. That's that is absolutely probably. I, I I would say the only women's basketball game that maybe even compares to that might be like an Olympic gold medal game. But I really can't imagine there's a women's basketball game that's gotten 12.6 million viewers. We'll check out that. But safe to say, one of the most viewed women's basketball games ever. The one thing, though, is that while I fully fall on the side of that, I thought that all of this was in the sport in the spirit of competition. If Caitlin Clark's going to talk smack, Angel Reese can talk smack, throw the racism part of it out the window. Let these young ladies be who they are. Let them play exuberantly and with personality. And if you don't like it, whatever, because guess what? Like Angel Reese says, she doesn't care. But I also hope that that part doesn't overshadow the part about the actual game and that this Final Four was outstanding and that we had the highest ratings for women's basketball, probably cumulatively, that we've ever had and that we have multiple great storylines that are worth being talked about on the national level with great headlining star-level people involved from Caitlin Clark at Iowa to Angel Reese at LSU to Kim Mulkey uh, at LSU or Don Staley of South Carolina, Leah Boston, all the way down the line. There's some great stars here uh, that are certainly worth talking about as well. Thanks to Blackfoot Communications for all their continued support, including of their sponsorship of the first hour of every Monday show here on Nuanas Now. Blackfoot Communications has been serving Montana homes for more than six decades, providing communities with new and better ways to communicate in and connect to an ever-changing world. To learn more about how Blackfoot can provide the right services for you and your business, visit goblackfoot.com. So, okay, thanks for bringing it back to me. I just looked up some of these numbers. Sure. Uh, easily outdrew the previous tournament record of $8.1 million Wow. for a Virginia-Stanford national semifinal in 1992. Whoa. The first women's title game on broadcast television since 1995 when they had $7.5 million and uh, cruised past the previous ESPN era record, $5.6 million for the UConn-Oklahoma final in 2002, the the title game outdrew all but two games of the ongoing men's basketball tournament. Wow. Miami, Texas in the Elite Eight and Michigan State Marquette in the second round were the only ones to put up a rating higher than that 9.9. Outdrew every game of last year's NBA playoffs except for the finals. Wow. Outdrew every wow. game of last year's MLB playoffs except for the World Series. That actually surprises me, and, and that's a, a, a shot at baseball. Outdrew every NASCAR race since 2017. Wow. And every NHL game in more than 50 years, including the Stanley Cup Finals. Wow. That, that's, I mean, if, and that's what I'm saying, is the fact that Only we're Only 11 college football games last season averaged a larger, larger audience, including the CFP games. Uh, it brings to the forefront a conversation about how we perceive things through the lens of race, but it also brings to the forefront that this is a great thing for women's college basketball, and the sport has improved. Women's basketball in general has improved more than any other sport over the last 25 to 30 years, and I think that it is unquestionable what I just said. And it's great that everybody's figuring that out and learning about it, and that's my biggest takeaway from this, was that was a hell of an NCAA women's Final Four, and that was a hell of a way for it to end, and that was awesome to see uh, 
all the conversation that's being had about it today, regardless of sort of what the entry point is. Over the weekend, even though it was uh, hailing at some points and raining at some points and snowing at some points on Saturday, the Grizz still hosted a rivalry duel on the track. The Grizz men won against Montana State for the first time in a decade. How did it happen? What are some of the uh, insights to it all? And what are some of the best marks? We'll transition from basketball into track and field next on the Montana Sports Hour. You're listening to Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Every time we play this song, I always tell a story, but we almost named this show that. I wish you were here. I still think it's a great name for a talk show, especially because half the time, three quarters of the time, I'm just standing in the studio all by myself talking to a pane of glass or people on the phone. Most of the time, I do wish you were here. The news of the day in my world, oh, man, these guys behind the glass have been making fun of me for Dave Matthews' uh, obsessions lately. They've been even cutting promos and stuff clowning on me. Hey, you know, you like what you like. I ain't scared. But here's the deal. My, my, uh, I hate the, it's Nuanas now, by the way, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. Uh, my, uh, I hate the Beatles and I love Dave Matthews Band is more of a shtick than anything, mostly just to prod Tommy Evans. I had to really impress him when I first started working here at ESPN Radio, so I decided to just, you know, press his buttons because why wouldn't you, you know? The only guy that can actually turn it on and off the radio machine, why wouldn't I want to make him mad? <laughs> Regardless, it, I love the Dave Matthews Band, but, but, they are not like my end-all, be-all. I do have a lot of friends that are like Grateful Daves. You know, like they go to Dave Matthews all the time, all over the place. I, I-, I like DMB. I've been to the Gorge several times. It's really fun. More than anything, though, just re- it's just a nostalgic reminder of when I was in college and how much I loved those guys that still love him so much. And I've had such great times with them at the Gorge watching DMB. So that's why I really like it. But... If you're talking just pound for pound, who is my favorite band? It's really tough to beat Metallica, but the only real band that's probably in the conversation is Incubus. That's why we come back with Incubus, because today 
I almost fell over dead when I checked my cell phone and I got an alert from Logjam Presents that Incubus is coming back to Missoula. It was so, so sweet the last time they were here uh, back in the fall of 2019. And I can't wait uh, for them to run it back. It's Sunday, July 23rd. I believe that's going to be the last day of me coming off the member guest golf tournament at the Missoula Country Club. So this might just actually have an opportunity to be the greatest weekend of my entire life. So thanks for letting me uh, share that with you because uh, I just can't wait. Over the weekend, the uh, the Grizz finally got themselves a little rivalry action, uh, some some rivalry success, I should say, over Montana State in a men's sport. Montana State uh, has dominated Montana this last year, uh, first time ever. Ever that the Grizz, that the Cats beat the Grizz in football, men's and swept them in men's and women's basketball in the same year. The first time ever that they've beat them in football, men's and women's basketball twice each in the same calendar year. So that that's a pretty big accomplishment for Montana State. I have been very hard on the Montana track and field program. I always hearken back to 2012 when the Big Sky Outdoor Track and Field Championships were in Bozeman when I was still working as a sports writer at the Bozeman Chronicle. And at that exact moment, Montana and Montana State were two of the three biggest contenders in the Big Sky Conference behind the juggernaut that is Northern Arizona. If you if you know, if you listen to this show, if you follow along track and field-wise in the Big Sky, nobody's catching Northern Arizona. It's an unfeasible goal. Northern Arizona has an Olympic training facility in Flagstaff because it's 7,200 feet above sea level. It's where all the great distance runners in the Western Hemisphere go to train, basically, particularly in America and from North America. And so uh, that in itself, plus just this endless string of success, has made NAU pretty much impossible to catch. But vying for second in the big sky as a team is going to make you one of the best teams in the Mountain West region. And it's going to give you a lot of athletes going to uh, the national meet. Well, over the last 10 years, Montana State has fulfilled exactly what I just talked about. They have been perennially sending handfuls of athletes to the national meets. Montana has regressed significantly since that 2012 meet in Bozeman when they were both uh, sort of on par there as the second or third programs in the league. Uh, And Montana finished eighth in indoor in girls in, in men's and women's track and field, excuse me, uh, this last February. And last year they, they uh, had some pretty paltry results as well. There's a lot that goes into it, but Mon- it's, it's safe to say Montana State has been thoroughly dominating Montana in track and field for the last eight to ten years. So much of that then is accentuated by one of the main factors in having success against the rival is the recruitment of the in-state kids. Montana is a great track and field state. There's outstanding track and field athletes that come out of Montana. So getting those athletes on your campus is uh, a, a win in a variety of different ways. It's, it's helping you get into more small towns in Montana. That's sure to help your enrollment. And, and it's also just a, an easy recruiting pipeline because it's just right in your backyard. So, Montana State getting a lot of these Montana kids and then having those Montana kids go to the highest level, that helps promote your athletic department and your university threefold. I mean, how good has Duncan Hamilton been for Montana State? He's a kid from Bozeman, Montana, who's a national-level distance runner. That's awesome. Uh, 
Well, that's all to say on Saturday in the annual Cat Grizz, Grizz Cat, whatever you want to call it, rivalry duel, Montana bested Montana State. It was with uh, not without drama. It was a phenomenal finish. Paul Johnstone, who's a young man we've talked about on this show, uh, he's a legacy kid. His mom was a great athlete at Mon- a great track athlete at Montana as well. He and his twin brother Cade were Class B stars in Forsyth, and then came to uh, Montana. Cade's been hurt a bunch. Paul has been in and out of the lineup, but Paul has been really, really good in the 400 meters when he's been healthy. He got uh, third in the outdoors two years ago. And he, uh, in the 400 individually, and then on Saturday in the 4x400, after a second place finish in the 400 by himself, he runs the winning leg on the 4x400-meter relay. This thing came down to a lean at the buzzer, basically. It was a photo finish. Paul Johnstone uh, leans across the line, and that boosts Montana to a 97.5-point victory. Uh, they they won 97.5 to 93.5. So the way these duels meet, uh, dual meets work Traditional track and field meet, the top eight placers score points. So first is 10 points, second is eight points, third is six points, five, four, three, two, one. In duels, first gets you five, second gets you three, and then they don't score anybody else from your team. So if you go one through six, let's say you finish first through sixth in an event, it still only scores you eight points because then the next two scorers are going to come from your opposition in the duel. So fully dominating the other team, if you just go one through five across the board, it's still not going to, you're going to dominate them, but it's not as big as if you did that in a traditional meet. So there is some nuance to the meet scoring. But this is all to say that I've been hard on the uh, Grizz track teams, and this is a, this is a big win. It, it, it's not without some details. Montana State was a little shorthanded. Uh, Colby Wilson, who is a stud pole vaulter, Big Sky Conference record holder in the pole vault, he's out for this spring season, or at least for the foreseeable future in this spring season, but he did not participate on Saturday. The Cats also were without any of their premier sprinters. They didn't even have a team for the 4x100. And how about this? They didn't have a team in the 4x100, but... Montana somehow got disqualified in that event as well. So there was no points scored in that event, even though MSU had to forfeit in that event. So it's an early season meet. There's a lot of nuance to it. Some of the uh, top cat guys were not participating. But that completely aside, it's a great win for the Grizz. Nuance is now ESPN Radio, the Montana Sports Hour, one of the news bulletins of the weekend. The Grizz beat the Cats in men's track and field for the first time since 2013. Here's some of your best marks for the Grizz on the way to that victory. Paul Johnson, we mentioned him, uh, second place in the 400 and won's the winning leg on the 4x400-meter relay. Uh, both the mile teams, by the way, uh, because they were pushing each other all the way down the stretch, their times are each two of the top three times in the Big Sky Conference, so that's impressive. Uh, a lot of season left, a lot of warmer weather meets, uh, to be run, but still, it's, it's a good start for the, the mile relay teams for both the Cat and the Grizz men. Uh, probably the mark of the day in the field, Evan Todd, a kid we've talked about a lot on this show, Kalispell Glacier product. He throws the javelin 222 feet, uh, which is the second best mark in the Big Sky Conference and was the winning mark by quite a ways. His teammate, Matthew Hockett, throws the jab 208 feet and some change. That's the third best mark in the Big Sky and got second uh, at this Grizz Cat duel. 
Carson Whedon, uh, a pole vaulter, he took advantage of Colby Wilson being out, but he went 15-9, which is a great mark. Wilson is just like national championship caliber. I mean, 18 feet is just an insane mark for a college kid, no matter what conference you're in. But 15-9 is, is very good, especially early in the year. So Carson Whedon, uh, a top three mark in the big sky, and uh, wins at the Cacarys duel. Uh, Justin Upton, he jumped 23-6 and a quarter in the long jump. That's the fifth best mark in the league. You heard it in the sports center, but Cooper Hewitt also had a great day. He won the 100 meters and the 200 meters uh, in 10.68 and 21.62, excuse me, uh, seconds respectively. 10.68 in the 100, 21.62 in the 200 meters. And Jaden Green continued his outstanding uh, junior year. He runs 14.6 seconds in the 110 high hurdles. That's the sixth best mark in the league so far uh, this year. Duncan Hamilton won three events for the Cats. Uh, including the 1,500 meters, and he was basically in cruise control. You could tell uh, his time at 3.53 and change is is a fine time, but it's about 12 seconds away from the best time in the big sky. But you could also tell he wasn't trying to empty the tank because he was running in three events, and he won three events. Uh, he wins the uh, the 1,500 meters, the 3,200 meters, and the 3,000-meter steeplechase, which is his uh, expertise. For the uh, on the women's side of things, the Cat Women continued their domination of this rivalry. They won for the ninth time in eleven years. They were without the services of several of their best um, athletes. Elena Carter, who was the Big Sky Conference Outstanding uh, Athlete of the uh, Indoor Season, highest scorer at the Indoor Championships, Helena Capital product. She did not participate. Lucy Corbett, who's the multiple time All American High Jumper. Uh, for the Bobcats. She also did not participate. And then Macy White, who's the best sprinter there at MSU, she did run on the sprint relay team, but she did not run in the 100 or the 200 meters. So I think there was a lot here where this is early in the season. It was poor elements outside. Um, And so I do think there was some, quote-unquote, load management, not just for the Cats, but on the Grizz side as well. I also thought some of these uh, marks, I, I guess what I'm saying is some of these marks were really good no matter what, some of these marks were good because they scored points on either side, but they're not necessarily marks that you're going to need to have coming down the pipe when the outdoor championships roll around. Uh, some of the top marks, though, for the Bobcat women, Jordan Fink threw the shot put 47 feet, 7 and 7, uh, seven inches, uh, 47-7, excuse me, uh, and that's the second-best shot put throw in the league. Maisie Brown pole vaulted 12-9, which is a, a good jump, and that currently ranks second in the league. And Haley Coey, a young lady we talked about quite a bit on this show last year when she was a senior at Billings West High School, she had an outstanding rivalry meet debut. She long jumps 18 feet, 8 and 3 quarters inches, which is the second best mark in the league already. And she also soared 36 feet, 6 and a quarter inches in the triple jump, which is a top five record or top five mark in the league as well. If she could even improve on those a little bit, she is going to score points at the Big Sky Outdoors, which is impressive uh, for a freshman from Montana. Uh, the other notable marks for the Grizz on the women's side, uh, Leah Moose and Autumn Morse each had top 10 in the Big Sky Javelin throws. Morgan Ratke, who's a senior out of Drummond and a multi-athlete, uh, she continued her strong uh, start to her senior year, a high jump of five six and a half, which is fourth in the league right now. And then a young lady we followed a lot around here, Missoula Sentinel product, who is a freshman there at the University uh, of Montana, Brooke Stainer. Uh, outstanding for the Spartans. Her junior year, that meet she had there, uh, really buoyed and, and uh, some would say even stamped 
Missoula Sentinels girls track team winning another uh, team state championship. But Stainer, uh, in her first outdoor meet uh, of the year, she swept the hurdles. She ran 14.65 in the 100-meter hurdles, and she ran a minute and five seconds and change in the 300-meter hurdles. Those are both good times for early in the year. It's more important, though, that Stainer won and scored those points. Uh, she's going to have to get a lot better, or she's going to have to get a lot faster, I should say, uh, to get into that that, that all-big sky realm. But uh, good start for sure, and she's a great athlete, so maybe she can shave some time off her uh, of those. But, I mean, to put that in perspective, 14.65 in the uh, short hurdles. Last year, Elena Carter won the short hurdles in 13.2, so that's a full almost second and a half faster than what Stainer ran on Saturday. Uh, but 105 in the in the long hurdles for Stainer, that's, that's a competitive time. That's a top-ten time in the league. And uh, last year, the winning time in the Big Sky was right around a minute. So Stater a little bit closer there uh, in the long hurdles. It is the Montana Sports Hour. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications has been serving Montana homes for more than six decades, providing communities with new and better ways to communicate in and connect to an ever-changing world. Visit goblackfoot.com to learn more about how Blackfoot Communications can help you, your family, or your small business. We're going to talk some spring football on the other side. Keep it right here. It's Now, ESPN Radio. One, two, three. is Now on ESPN Radio. Oh, man, you want to go to the best party in Missoula? I'm inviting you. See you there, maybe. Sunday, July 23rd, Incubus at the Kettle House Amphitheater. I got to hit up the folks at Logjam. First of all, I'd say great job, but also to just tell them that we talk about this stuff on the show all the time. This is not paid advertising. This is just me completely geeking out because one of my favorite things to do in my life is to go to live music. And the fact that we have bands like Incubus coming to Missoula, man, I always tease my uh, I always tease my girlfriend and my brother that sometimes I wish I wasn't from Missoula because Missoula is so cool. And I don't know, there's just like something weird about living in your hometown, although I do love so many parts of it. I mean, if you know me, you don't you know I don't do anything I don't want to do. So I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't want to be doing it. And I love doing it. But if you're just not from here, then it's even cooler to have gotten here and made it here. Uh, either way, though, Missoula itself is just so cool, and I'm so uh, proud to say it's my hometown. And I'm also so stoked that Incubus is coming back here uh, on July 23rd. Hour number one here on Nuan is now winding down, but we still got plenty of stuff coming at you in hour number two. I'm sure uh, some spring football that we're going to talk about right now is going to trickle into hour number two. I spent way too much time talking about Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark from the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship game, character building and all of it. Uh, but we also have a broad conversation. We're going to do a specific conversation about the wide world of college basketball coming up here as well as we are now about three and a half hours away from the NCAA men's championship game. Uh, but let's do a little spring football here to finish up the Montana Sports Hour. We already talked women's basketball on the national level. We already talked Cat Grizz uh, rivalry duel on the track and field. So now let's talk a little spring football, the Montana Sports Hour, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com. See how Blackfoot Communications can help you and your business. Blackfoot, proud to be the, the digital sponsors of both Grizz and Bobcat Athletics. Uh, Andrew, what do you got for me today? This is obviously going to spill into the next hour, so I'll just let her rip. Um, 
you know, it's tough because we don't get to watch a ton of it. I mean, spring, sure. the thing about spring football is that it is where you see players for the first time. You 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 have names stick in your brain for the first time yeah. that you file away for later. Because we haven't, we don't get to see the practices. I can't really ask you who any of those players are going to be. Well, that's the other thing is that that's one of the reasons why I have not been that been out of shape about not getting to see practices, though, is because there's a variety of reasons why, in my mind, spring ball has completely dissipated. One, I think that it's a sort of antiquated notion that you need to have training camp twice a year. Because that, that used to be a necessity because you're trying to, like, run the weight off the guys. You're trying to get them in shape. And it's like these guys train now year-round at such a high level at all levels of college football that you don't need, like, these periods to get into extra shape. You certainly need to be in football-playing shape. And as Bobby Houck will uh, certainly no doubt say every week for the till the rest of time <laughs> during press conferences, the only way you get better at playing football is playing football. I agree with that notion. But the reason I think that maybe the the interest, not the interest, people are always interested in football. I'm not bent on a shave about us not getting to go watch practices because I don't think that much is going to get decided during this spring. There's reasons for that, though. One, it's now year five, or I guess year six and season five under this coaching staff. So you sort of have a pecking order because they've been recruiting to spots on the depth chart across the board. I think the second reason why you're not going to see that much during this spring period, and unless this changes with the new offensive coordinator and Brent Pease at the helm, but production does not equal elevated playing time for the offensive skill guys like it does at a lot of other places. you got to put in the work and earn your spot for all these other different reasons besides just scoring touchdowns. And then I think the third reason that it's I maybe not that bent out of shape about it is pretty much every single position group at the University of Montana and at Montana State right now, if they end spring ball and that position group is behind, the number one storyline about the position group is not that position group getting better. It's how does that position group add players because they're going to go get guys on the transfer wire. That's the number one reason why I'm not that bent out of shape about it because we could talk till we're blue in the face about the corners or whoever you want to say, insert position name here. There's going to be two or three extra veteran talented guys in every group, not every group, but like a lot of interesting groups by the time fall camp rolls around in August. Okay. With that Bobby Hout quote that you just brought up and with your general apathy, which you just detailed here towards spring football, <laughs> yeah. Which is fair, completely fair. Do you would it increase if they actually played somebody else in the spring? This was going on around on Twitter a week or two ago. Would it help you? And do you think it would help just in general? Like if if the Grizz, as they did in the COVID year, like brought Portland State over here for a game at the end of spring football? Yeah, it's so interesting because I think so much of the hype around the last two years of Grizz football came from how unbelievably sharp they looked in those spring games. That was like the beginning. That was the agent zero of the hype that then I would then argue actually like ate the Grizz up the last couple of years, particularly last year, um, was how much they just whooped the hell out of Portland State and Central Washington. It wasn't just the total scores, though. They just looked sh- sharp as a knife. And uh, they looked sharp like that at other times. But... 
uh, weren't able to sustain it at an incredibly high level. Uh, see, here's the here's the deal. If I, I I think that like covering college football has changed so much, and then how the coverage of your college football team has also changed so much. So much of the spring ball thing used to just be the building of the hype around your team. And now I don't know if, if we necessarily need that because fans can get the fix all the time in other ways that aren't reading newspaper stories about the fourth string linebacker. They have message forums where they can go debate themselves. They got a talk radio show that talks about this stuff every single week, year round, like we do here at Nuanas now. So I think that's part of it. In terms of appeasing me, like what would make me more interested in spring football? One, if they got rid of it, that'd be interesting. Two, if there was some sort of hybrid between football and track and field, in my perfect world, I know this will never, ever happen, but in my perfect world, I would have meetings and walkthroughs during the spring, and I would have my guys participate in track and field because I think that it would make every single one of them better, whether linemen throwing the disc or uh, you know receivers running the 100 meters, I just think it would make them all better. Everybody would be fresher. You can get the mental part done. But I know it's never going to happen because the only way you get better playing football is playing football. We'll keep talking spring football in hour number two. That is the Montana Sports Hour, probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can provide services for you and your small business. A diagnosis of the state of affairs in men's college basketball pertaining to the national championship game tonight. Some keys for that national championship game, but also a continuation of our conversation about spring football. All of it in a jam-packed hour number two. Don't change the dial. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 